Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Welcome, everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, which is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, we are going to talk about motivation. We've recently been talking how to do incentive programs, but there are other ways to motivate your employees. Joining me to talk about that is Tori Taylor, Market Operations Manager for Builders Warehouse in Aurora, Colorado. Tori, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's, it's great to be here. I'm super excited to do this. Excellent. So, Tori, before we dive into motivating your workforce, let's talk a little bit about you and what motivates you. Can you briefly share, let's say, your career in the industry and what you are currently doing at Builders Warehouse? Sure. I've been in the LBM industry for about 16 years, most of which I've been in component manufacturing. My current responsibility is within the Colorado market operations. And so I oversee all operations for an LBM distribution yard as well as a component plant. That's kind of been a recent change for me, but exciting nonetheless. So yeah, that's yeah. what I've done. Yeah. Uh, how did you get into the industry like 16 years ago? What brought you in? Great question. Uh, honestly, I, I kind of responded to an email that led me to a kind of a mass hiring event. And then from there kind of joined a manager and training program and, and the rest is history. Um, it's been enjoyable, all of the moving parts and pieces. Uh, operations has always been a passion of mine and it's really fun to put together systems that work cohesively together. So, yeah. So Tori, I, this next question I'm asking, cause it's meant to sort of differentiate you from a lot of the guests that I bring on. When we were talking in preparation for this podcast, you told me that you thank each one of your employees for working at Builders, a little how pilots thank passengers for flying their airline. And I'm just curious, like, why do you do that? What's the psychology going on there? That, that's a great question. Our people choose to um, work for our organizations. They have a choice. And there's, in, in some cases, you know, I'm in a metro area, there's a lot of different opportunities for people to find employment in, in a wide variety of industries. And and because of that, they have a choice. And I, I think for me, it, it helps me remember that there needs to be a balance in all things. Uh, our employees, yes, they're choosing to be work for builders, and that's a choice that they make. And I think there needs to be a proper balance of respect by both the organization, that the people have a choice. And then on the flip side, there needs to be a proper respect from the employee that the employer has a choice as well. And I think that if you, it ever gets out of balance one way or other, it becomes problematic. So in some ways, you feel as if as you're continuing to do that, you're not only thanking the employee, making sure that they're seen and valued, but you're also keeping the correct perspective from the employer's standpoint, right? That, yeah, that's correct. Like if we, I don't know, I, I've always felt as if we treat our people like a commodity or they're replaceable or... Um, almost like just a, you know, a, a number on a balance sheet, which managing to our P&L is very important. But if we treat people like a commodity, um, it will come across that way. And I think it's extremely important to recognize that they, I mean, these are people with 
dreams, ambitions, desire to grow. They have families, they have responsibilities outside of work. And it's just very important to, to recognize that the people have choices in, in where, where they choose to work every day. Okay. So let's follow that. I mean, they're working for you. They're getting a paycheck. But what you're kind of arguing is that isn't enough. Like what more does the employer need to be doing to make an employee feel like they belong there? They have value besides just that paycheck, their wage. Sure. Well, I, it's been my experience that people that they desire opportunities to grow. Um, people want to learn new things. I, I, I feel like people want to be trusted to manage their own stewardship or they want to be given a, a portion of the business and be trusted to run that and run it well and be innovative and, and bring, bring creativity to their uh, stewardships there. We can do very little to motivate people. Um, at, at best, our attempts to motivate people are well-intentioned, but they miss the mark. And at worst, it, it can be manipulative. And so some would argue that it's not even possible to motivate people. But I, I do feel that companies have the ability to do a lot of demotivating. There are things that can happen within an organization to demotivate our people. One example would be wage uh, compression. So let's say in your market, the wage, the starting wage for entry-level jobs and things like that continues to rise. And so an organization reciprocates that in kind to bring in the new employees. However, um, they may not adjust the rest of the wages in their organization in kind, which pretty soon after a few years of doing that, you've got your start people that are, that have no experience whatsoever coming in at a very similar wage to your employees that are, have been with, have been loyal to you and have been worked really hard for you over time. So that's an example of something that would motivate your folks. Yeah. Uh, fear in an organization, confusion, blaming people for the failures of broken systems and processes and procedures. That's a big one. A lot of times we have processes that aren't capable of pro producing a high quality result. However, we look to blame individuals and not blame the system itself. George, that's an interesting point. And we talked about this a little bit, Th that idea of confusion, right? Yeah. Let's talk about that really briefly. You know, what if you have employees, particularly new ones, that are confused about what they're supposed to do or when they're supposed to do it or what are the next steps or how are they supposed to respond in, in certain circumstances, is that their fault or is that the fault of the employer? And what? And if it's the fault of the employer, what should they be doing about that? that that's a great question. I, some would argue that roughly 90% of failures in performance is due to broken systems and not due to the employee themselves. If you think for your Think for a minute when, whenever you've started a new job, I think back a while back when I started with builders, there's some excitement, there's uh, some nervous anticipation that you're kind of fear, a little bit nervous about the unknowns and how you'll be received and what will the work life balance be? What will the, what will your responsibilities be? How will you be accepted within the organization? All these things are going through a, a new employees in their head. And with that being said... Um, I think it's very important to have kind of a, a detailed plan of, of onboarding in a, a systematic way where it's very consistent in the very front end. People know what your organization stands for. There's a, a very clear handoff on who they report to. There's a clear handoff on who's going to be responsible for their training. 
there's a clear understanding of what the next 60 to 90 days looks like and thereafter. And I would argue it's not just onboarding, but people need a roadmap of where their career is heading within your organization, um, whether they've been with you, they're just a new employee or they've been with you for a long term. And Tori, let's talk about that real quick. So if you hire a Sawyer uh-huh. um, or a picker or whatever, what is what do you do at Builders to give them a sense for where they're going from there? So what we try to do here is, and, and I know this sounds cliche, but we legitimately have a system set up for cross-training to where our compensation program is based on skills, skill sets and the application of the skills that they've acquired. So if, as it pertains to receiving merit increases and things like that, it's based on what they're, the, the knowledge that they've gained. And so if we have someone that they might start as a Sawyer, but for the next quarter, they may focus on learning how to assemble on the table or for the next six months, they may learn a new function or whatever. And so I I will say that the precursor to even entertain learning a different function would be proper attendance, right? They need to be able to, for the company to go in and expend the the expenses for for investing in some of our employees we have to know that they're consistent they're reliable they have a a great attitude and so once you know what that's kind of the gate to get into that to into skill-based pay but as uh once they do we kind of work a path for them to learn different functions throughout the organization and it has to be with the mindset that they can grow into uh different functions over time does that make Mm -hmm. sense it does, Tori. I mean, really what you're saying is there's this baseline when you hire somebody of like, they're going to work their 40 hours, right? They're going to show up, they're going to do their job. But you set this expectation that if they go ahead and do that, there is this track that they get themselves onto where they can start cross-training, they can have more variety in their job sure, uh, p- potential. And then there's growth from there, right? Into what, management or potential, potentially design or sales mm-hmm. or takeoffs or what? That's correct. Absolutely. You're spot on. And, and sometimes you have to have that cross training in place because it's really hard to let your key people move into another role if you don't have someone that's, that can perform right behind them. And so this ability to cross train and have redundancies in multiple areas is what really gives you power to react to market conditions. So Hmm. if one function is has heavy demand on it and the other functions within your organization do not, you can shift the labor to meet the demand. And so this type of redundancy, mitigating turnover and removing some of the non-desirable things. Now you have a a staff of highly trained, highly capable people that can move around on the fly and your ability to pivot on the fly for shifting market demands is phenomenal. And so there's a, there's, you throw variation and changes in the schedules and you can handle it very well. So Tori, I, I mean, that's powerful in many ways, but I think the underlying thing I'm hearing there, because you, you said it, the, the revolving door, the rotation, have you found at Builders that this cross-training and this sort of track has helped increase your retention? Oh, absolutely. I think that we kind of focused on removing the demotivators, right? The demotivators being fear, um, systems that don't support our people, um, confusion, things like that, a a lack of understanding of boundaries. Where does one department end and begin? 
who reports to who, that kind of stuff. Just having some clarity in those things is remove the demotivators. And then people's intrinsic intrinsic desire, to, they can internally be motivated. And, and it kind of brings out the best in our organizations when you have that kind of support from the organization. So, I mean, in some ways, what you're saying is retention and motivation are kind of the same thing in a way. If, if an employee feels like they belong, they under, there's not that confusion, all those demotivators are gone, then they're motivated to do a good job yeah. and they stick around because they get that sense of accomplishment on a regular basis. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think that if you have high turnover or your retention level is very low, that's a symptom of a, of a cultural problem. And I, I don't know if incentive programs or motivational programs or things like that is really going to drive that retention. I think that the, I, I think that the lack of motivation and turnover are definitely tied together. They're very strongly correlated. It kind of talks about, uh, or I was thinking that Peter Schulte's um, introduce a, a topic in his book, The Leader's Handbook, that there's systems and processes and procedures that are based on theory X thinking versus theory Y thinking. Theory X thinking is people have to be motivated with a, a, a carrot or a stick. They have to be, they're not going to give their best efforts unless, un, unless they're either coerced or they're incentivized. Um, it's kind of a dark worldview of human nature. And then there's theory Y, which people intrinsically are motivated. No one wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I want to go to work and do a terrible job. And, and so working off the premise of theory Y, really, my focus in mitigating and managing turnover is just get rid of the demotivators. And that's really hard. That's focusing on processes, procedures just to make sure that they don't have holes in them to where our, our average, an average person on an average day can perform and it doesn't take extra, extraordinary efforts of an extraordinary individual to drive success. Tori, you mentioned the one author the theory of Theory X, Theory Y. I'm curious, I'm assuming you've read a lot of books on this topic. Do you have any other recommendations for our listeners on maybe something they should read if they want to gain additional perspective on this? Oh, sure. So again, uh, Peter Schulte's The Leader's Handbook is very powerful. And that was introduced to uh, me by my boss, Casey Carey. Powerful read. And he was actually a student of Dr. Edward Deming. Anything written by Deming is powerful. What's unique is he's a statistician by trade. However, he really dives deeply into human nature and things like that. But uh, Dr. Deming, anything that in regards to what he calls profound knowledge, I would probably look at, or his 14 points or principles of management is really powerful as well. Great. Tori, thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, you're very welcome. It's been my pleasure. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SBCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. On our next podcast, Tori and I will talk about how they practically approach employee retention and motivation and give you some tips. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. 
If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com. Thank you.